mountain tundra that is east central alberta canada streaming live on youtube facebook float odyssey telegram and twitch welcome back to the workshop where we create community find freedom promote preparedness and share success i am toolman tim and today is july 7th 2022 and this is episode 137 of the workshop podcast today i'm going to share with you 30 community source tips, going to be a whole bunch of different things all across the board, stuff for the workshop, stuff for content creation, stuff for personal betterment, the whole works. But before we do that, you always know, let's get the announcements out of the way. Number one, if you have not checked out the Fountain Podcast Player yet, please do me a favor and do that. It runs on the Podcast 2.0 platform, which may or may not mean anything to you. It supports Lightning Network, which may or may not mean anything to you. But the best thing that I can put it out there is if you use it, you will get paid in Bitcoin to listen to podcasts. And if you listen to my podcast or anyone else's podcast, they will also get paid in Bitcoin to have you listen to them. You can also support them. It is a super simple way to support without really costing you anything at all. And it's just a great interface. So if you haven't checked it out yet, Download the Fountain Podcast app today. You will not be disappointed. Number two, join the Telegram group. I know you guys say, Tim, you beat this dead horse. Well, you know what happens when we beat a dead horse? We just get a bigger mess. But this is definitely not a dead horse. If you're not part of the Telegram group yet, please come by and check it out. I love that group. I I tell them all the time how much I just think the world of them, and I just think this group is the best group out there. We have a great place for sharing tips like today for getting advice. Had somebody a couple of weeks ago had some trouble with their generator. We did everything we could to get it up and running. Had a question the other day about what would be the proper sealant for on a metal roof, plastic roof, a couple different things like that. So drop by, share your wisdom, interact with the community, and just become part of our group because I love interacting with each and every one of you, and I love learning from everybody else out there. And of course, if you need that link, well, it's in the description. It's in wherever you're listening, whether it's audio, video platform, it's always in the description below. So grab it. And number three, if you're wondering, if you ever say, you know, I wonder if Tim's ever used this or that. Number one, always feel free to reach out to me and say, hey, Tim, have you? do you have a recommendation for a pole hedge trimmer? Well, of course I do. It's a DeWalt. But if you're not sure and you want a place to start, go by toolmantim.shop. Right at the moment, there's well over 200 pieces of gear that I've used and abused, stuff that has made me money or saved me money in my handyman business. So run by there, check it out, and you'll see. I have write-ups for some, just direct product links for other. But anything listed there has been something I have used over the years, and it's met the Toolman Tim seal of approval. All right, and today's tool, everybody loves this section. It is the Klein Voltage Pen. So if you're looking for it, the link is in the description. It is... I love to call it a literal lifesaver. Now, with a caveat, what I love about it is it's a pen that you can stick in a plug and it'll tell you whether it's live or not. It's a pen that you can put on a wire and it will tell you whether it's live or not. What I like about that is it gives you an added insurance. So number one, you just you, you test it. You say, okay, there's nothing live there. Now, of course, always interact with electrical like it's live. So when you go to touch it first, touch it with a an insulated screwdriver or ins insulated pliers, whatever it is. But this thing is just an added benefit. It gives you an added peace of mind when you're working around electrical. And more than that, 
it saves you a lot of time. I remember all the times I used to have to try to troubleshoot with electrical before I had this. And I thought, how am I ever going to come up with something? Anyway, it's the best. I love it. It's in my toolbox 24-7. And if you're looking for something like that, grab it and check it out. It's not super expensive. And of course, anything you pick up on Amazon helps support the workshop. And I very much appreciate it. Okay, guys, so the main event of the show today, I'm quite excited about this. This was a spinoff from last Thursday's episode when I had a community feedback episode. And we had so much great content, so much good conversation about TikTok and all the rest that I decided to pull the community tips out, add a few more of my own, and make it its own standalone episode. So if you're listening to this, this is pre-recorded. I normally do my shows live, as you guys know, but... I am heading out, picking up my girls at the airport and my mother and father <clears throat> coming to visit me in Alberta. I'm rather excited about that. So I'm going to be away for a few days, showing them around the big city of Calgary. And so I wanted to make sure you guys had top-notch content. So here, let's dive right in, guys. So first off, I put out, once I started putting the show together, I reached out to our wonderful Telegram group and I said, hey guys, what's your best tips you want to share? I didn't give them any, any kind of constrictions on it. I just said, share your best tips, whatever it came back. And I brought the best of the best to you. So here we are. Number one, this one's Natalie over on Telegram. She says uh, to prep for wood stoves. Um, so when we're talking about wood stoves, this is something, and I'm sure people, uh, a lot of people out there are going to be like, okay, I know about wood stoves. <laughs> I know about wood heat, but there's a lot of people out there who don't. So if you're just getting into wood heat and you think, well, what am I going to do? How am I going to save money this winter or next winter on wood or on heat in general? Well, maybe it's installing a wood stove. Remember, always cut your wood the year before. You want to have a full year of drying because the absolute worst thing you can do is try to burn wet wood because you're going to have a few problems. You're going to have a hell of a time getting it started. You're going to have a hell of a time keeping it started. And you are going to have what they call creosote, which is kind of that wet, sticky, and ash that sticks to the inside of your chimney, can block it off, can cause chimney fires, a whole bunch of things. You just don't want it. A dry piece of wood is a safe piece of wood. Plus, you get way more heat out of it. So always remember, get it now. And the, the other benefit of buying firewood now or cutting firewood now is it beats inflation. So I don't think any of us think the price of anything is going to go down between now and next year. So if you go and buy your wood right now and have it sitting and drying, you're going to end up hopefully saving a little bit more money in your pocket. Ne these next three come from Renegade Butcher. He says you can make moisture absorbers to help keep tools and knives from rusting while stored with silica-based kitty litter. Toss some in a small bag, an old sock, or a coffee filter with a rubber band to hold it shut. So I always used to, when I worked at the hardware store, the biggest silica packs that you could get would come inside of the wood stoves because they're cast iron and they tended to rust. So they wanted to keep the moisture out of them. And they were, I don't know, probably six inches long and two inches thick. And they were just full. I would save them. I still have some of those in my ammo cans. They work great, but you have to get a hold of them. And of course, it's something else to throw away or to deal with. Now, I, I'm a big fan <laughs> of saving old socks for certain things. If they get a big hole in them, I can use them for, you know, oil rags out in the shop. In a pinch, if you lose a sock, the other sock makes a great set, um, a great carrying case for sunglasses so they don't get scratched up in your vehicle. 
And in this instance, take a bunch of silica-based kitty litter, which you probably have on hand, you may have on hand anyway, put it in a, an old sock, tie it up, Bob's your uncle. I love that tip. Now, number two, a bobby pin works really well for holding small finish nails to avoid smashing your fingers and getting it started. Now, if you ever put together IKEA furniture, and if you guys know, uh, IKEA is a four-letter word for me. I do not enjoy going through the store. I don't particularly love putting together their furniture, but I've made a lot of good money over the years. And it probably took me a few years to realize that in most IKEA furniture packages, there is a finished nail holder. So, you know, they have those little three-quarter inch nails that are miserable. I mean, my thumb is longer or wider than those three-quarter inch nails. So they have this little plastic holder that you put the nail in and the head sticks up, say a quarter to three-eighths of an inch out of it. You hold it in there, give it a tap, and it goes into place. Now, if you don't have something like that, or you're doing something that didn't come from Ikea, who's supposedly environmentally friendly, but their stuff is so throwaway, it's disgusting. That's a story for another day. Get yourself a bobby pin. Slide it, slide the finish nail or the tiny starting nail, you know, with a little head on it, slide it down into the bobby pin, hold it back, give it a tap, and you're all set. Because I can tell you, I have jammed my fingers more times trying to start those stupid little nails when I didn't think about it. This bobby pin tip, absolutely great. Now, if your utility knife blade gets dull and you don't happen to have a replacement blade handy by, a lot of times it's just the tip because... If you, when you go to cut with a utility knife, a lot of times you, you're up on an angle and you're not using that full bit of blade. So in a pinch, if you need extra sharpness or it's just too dull, take a pair of needle nose pliers and snap that end off if you can. Be careful. But what I find the easiest way to do that is to slide most of the blade down into the knife and then snap it off that way. That can get you through in a pinch. It's usually not as good as a brand new blade, but if you're needing to just finish the job it's a great way to do it now these two came from lee over on youtube and these were following my rolling blackouts rolling brown brown oats episode and this one was uh, a tip from hurricane aftermaths he said i adapted real fast to sun up to sundown schedule pretty much everyone did it makes it so much easier to do since everyone else is going to bed as well and he followed up a little bit on that and the whole idea behind that was when you're running a generator, you're artificially creating your power. The best thing to do, of course, is to deal with the sun up to sunset schedule. The same thing that our ancestors did. Get used to it. And then you're not needing to artificially light the home nearly as much as you think you would. And you might get a little extra sleep. There's less noise going on. Just the whole works. But if you can get yourself into, you know, if, if you're talking a prolonged power outage of three, four, six, seven days, Think about going into a sunup to sunset schedule, and it'll make your life a little bit smoother. And the next one was, and I really like this. This is cool. So I think it was Letty who shared the tip about putting frozen water bottles in the freezer so that it's not just, you know, taking up space. It's also something you can pull out, let it melt, and drink. Well, Lee said, make some of that, those bottled waters, but turn it into frozen bottles of coffee or iced tea for a cool treat in the heat. Said, I've learned this from running out a bunch of hurricanes. And I love this tip. I, again, I'm huge at multi-purposing things. So what you want during a, a blackout or, you know, when your freezer isn't running is you need as much thermal mass in there as you can so that everything is holding down the coldness and it's helping keep the temperature down. 
the more thermal mass you have, the longer you can go without turning your freezer on. But also, instead of just taking some random container, filling it with some random water that you may or may not want to drink, why not use things that you're actually going to drink, like bottled water, like one gallon jugs of water, or in this instance, iced tea and iced coffee. I think that's great. Store it in your deep freeze, have it there, and periodically take a case out, especially, you know, start from the top, because that's going to be the one that's going to want to thaw the, the earliest. Leave it in as long as you need to, and as it thaws out, take it out and drink it. Great practical tip from Lee. Now, this one was a one from Rachel over on Telegram. She's a big part of our Telegram group. Said, hey, I went back and I was listening to the power outage episode. You guys kept talking about not opening up the refrigerator and standing there and trying to decide what you want to eat. When I got my new fridge, I actually took a picture of each door because it's the French door type. I've got one of those too. They're pretty popular now. Then I took a picture of the top two shelves, the bottom two shelves, and the rollout. I put them on some clear file folders and hang them on the refrigerator door. With that, you can use a dry erase marker to update where everything is so you don't lose track of anything and you don't sit there with the door open wondering what's in the fridge. I love that. I had a friend who bought one of the high-end French door fridges a while back, and it has an LCD screen that'll show you a picture inside the fridge. I guess that's great. Something else to break down and something else not to work when the power's out. So in this instance, how awesome is that? Have laminated pictures on the front of your fridge of the shelves, and then you just write in there what's in there, and then you have an idea. And then the kid comes along, they're like, ah, oh, there's nothing to eat. Well, look at the list instead of standing there with the fridge door open. Just another way to save energy and help keep a little bit of that thermal mass and um, the temperature inside that insulated box. Next one, this was from uh, Josh, uh, Renegade Butcher. And he sent me a link. This isn't so much a tip as it is some information. I'm going to be working on it. But if you guys saw my YouTube video recently on how to refill the thermal cell butane cartridges, well, as soon as I started posting about that, Josh sent me a really cool link about reusing these blue pads. And they're dead simple. I'm going to do a video on it, but basically you need to find the insecticide that is used in that. I can't remember the exact chemical right at the moment, but uh, farm stores are a great place for that kind of thing. You want a liquid one of those, sit, reuse the, the um, insecticide pads. Now they tend to be blue and when they wear out or they're used up, they tend to turn back to white. So what they said was add uh, a mixture of either three to one or four to one water to insecticide and some blue food coloring drops, and then use a dropper and add a few drops to that pad, put it in and use it. And when it fades out back to white again, you know, you've ruined it or not ruined it, but used it all up. So again, a great way to save money because I absolutely love the, the mosquito repellent that comes with those. They're just, they're great. The thermocells are an incredible product, but the problem is the refills are damn expensive. The actual device is fairly cheap, but if you want to keep reusing the pads and the butane cartridges, it's a great way to save a bunch of money. Now, James, he was on the show a couple of weeks ago about electric vehicles, and he shared with me an incredible tip about making a plywood ripping guide. I'm going to try to make this simple. I'll see if I can find some links to send it to you afterwards. But I always talk about using a straight edge and then measuring the offset of the plate on your circular saw so that you know you measure, say say it's three inches, you measure your line, go over three inches, make another line. 
Well, he talked about using two pieces. So you get a long straight edge of a board, like a one by three or one by four, and then take a quarter inch sheet of plywood and make it uh, the width extra of however wide the plate is on your saw. So now you've got a straight edge plus an offset of about a quarter inch piece of plywood. So then you can set it right on your line, set your circular saw down, and you don't have to measure that offset every single time. I thought it was brilliant. I hope I did an okay job explaining it. I'm going to do a video on that down the road, maybe a TikTok or something like that, but they're incredible. Now, this is a tip for my Canadian users and also, I guess, a bit for my American uh, people. Now, if you know anything about being a Canadian, it's really stinking expensive to ship anything to the U.S. This tip comes from my buddy, Chris Dixon. So there is a company called DYK Post. And they operate out of Alberta. There are similar services around the country. But what ends up happening is to, to ship a t-shirt from Canada to the U.S. is around $20 to $25. Now, that makes it absolutely impossible for me as a content creator to print shirts up here and ship them to the U.S. I'll never make any money. I'll go broke and no, or nobody would want to pay what it costs to do it. Now, with this DYK post, they have pickup locations in all the major cities in Alberta, and it costs a dollar per item to take it down and cross the border, and you just take care of the shipping through USPS yourself. So what would be 20 to $25 for a t-shirt is around $4.80 for us to ship it to you guys down in the States. Now, the cool thing is there's also a service called Montana Mailbox, which now allows me to have a US address They'll store the items there, and then DYK Post will pick them up and bring them back for me. So I now have a two-way service for shipping and receiving items through the U.S. without you guys having to pay any extra postage or anything like that. I love the system. I've been working with it. I now have a uh, mailing address in Sweetgrass, Montana. I thought that was kind of cool. Next one. This one comes from Gibbles on YouTube, I believe. It's a little longer, but I wanted to share it. It's a tip but it's also a bit of information about what they do. So they said, our fuel on site, we hold 27 gallons of fuel on site for a generator emergency. I use stable or st stable, whatever you want to call it, in all my cans of gas, and I cycle them every six months. Now, the question is, why 27 gallons? Because our power outage usually lasts a week, once every five years. So when there's an outage, we run the generator four hours in the morning, four hours at night, in order to cool the fridge, the freezer, turn the central furnace if needed. Running our house only eight hours a day uses two and a half gallons of gas while running the entire home. The rest of the time we are sleeping at night or during the day with batteries. If it's an emergency, then treat it that way. You don't need everything running at once. I thought, hey, that's pretty cool. They just refill their gas every six months, which you guys have heard of, but they know how much fuel they need for the longest typical power outage they're going to have, and they store that much. Perfect. Now, here's a bunch of other tips that I've had and some really good ones. Now, I've spent, okay, years ago, just outside of Detroit, I locked the uh, car key in the van. It was awful. <laughs> Around midnight, the gas station was closing down. They shut the lights off and left us there while we were waiting for a locksmith. Miserable. Ever since then, I have swore off getting things locked in the vehicle, and I've done really, really good ever since. So get an extra key cut for everything. When you buy a new vehicle, or more importantly, when you buy a used vehicle, 
This is going to sound stupid, but make sure you negotiate a second or a third key in the purchase price. Because so often when we have bought used vehicles, they only come with one key. And the big problem with that is in a lot of places, if you want to get a second key, they can be a couple hundred dollars. And you don't want to have to spend that if you don't have to. So just make sure. And I found sometimes that when I've bought used vehicles, they've only sent me one key because they just had another key on hand that they had in a lockbox that they never thought to send to us. So always make sure you negotiate for a second key, but make sure you have a second key and then find somewhere to hide it in the outside of the vehicle. I've seen people talk about taping it to their windshield wiper. I hate that idea. I like the really good magnetic lock boxes or find somewhere in the box of your truck or in the back, somewhere that you can access that you can hide a key that won't fall off and will not, um, people won't be able to find it. It's going to save you a lot of money. It's just a super simple, easy prepping tip. Now, here's another tip associated with that. If you go, for instance, and you only want to get a door unlocking key for your vehicle, also a great little thing. I love to have them because, hey, I locked the keys in my ignition, but the doors are locked. All I need to do is get in so I can use it. It's a cheaper way of doing it. But when you get extra keys cut, the first thing you need to do is go and test them in the ignition or in the door lock that you buy. Probably 10% of the time when I've had a key cut for a backup, it hasn't worked. You want to test it, make sure it works, fiddle with it, and when you're happy with it, be good. Most places will give you a guarantee on their cut keys, but just test them because the worst thing you want is to say, huh, I'm a smart ass. I've got that extra key. I locked my keys in, went to use it doesn't work because I never tested it. Always get your recalls done on your vehicle. It's free, peace of mind. Now always, you know, either set up for email or text alerts for recalls or do a search once or twice a year online for your make and model and see, hey, is there anything worth needing to be done? Because again, it's, it's a safety issue. It's going to save you money. And who doesn't want to get the free work done that you don't have to worry about? Again, and it'll also, if nothing else, make you aware of issues going on with certain vehicles that you might need to look out for. Now, if you have an iPhone, I'm sure this works on Androids as well, but if you ever get somewhere and you were supposed to measure something and you forget your tape measure with you, well, there's an app for that. There's actually a built-in measure app in the iPhone that uses its spatial sensors. I'm not sure if that's a proper term or not, and you just take a picture or do a live video and point at one point, point at another point, and it will tell you the distance and a very, very accurate distance between the two points. So if you need to figure out, you know, area for flooring or something like that, or roofing, just use your measure app and don't worry about it. I've shared this one before, but I had to throw this one up here again because I'm getting ready to take some propane tanks to Costco and get them refilled because they are super cheap there compared to anywhere else. But if you need some way to set them in your back seat or in your trunk so they don't roll around, they fit perfectly in my favorite container in the world, a milk crate. Put them in there, strap them all together, run a ratchet strap through them, just cinch them down so they can't slide around. Great way to do it. Here's another life pro tip or however you want to call it. I've tried to, over the years, have a list of random items. I call it my random to-do list. If I happen to be sitting around or I feel like I've been wasting time or I have free time that I didn't expect, I grab an item off that list and I just get it done. Whether it's sharpening knives, cleaning the coffee maker, 
uh, rinsing out the Berkey, flushing the filth, whatever it happens to be. Have a random prepping list, have a random repairedness list, and just grab those items so that whenever you have a little downtime, you knock it out. Now, here's another tip that I have tried to live by because I've always been a procrastinator. If something takes less than 10 minutes, do it now. You can almost always find 10 minutes to get something done. 10 minutes is a lot faster than you think it is. So for instance, the other day, my garage was getting really messy. And I said, well, I don't have time to clean it. I said, no, but I can find 10 minutes. So I went in there. I spent 10 minutes cleaning up the shop. And what I do is I set a timer on my phone and then I set it down and then I just start working. And it gives me that kind of impetus to keep going and get shit done like nobody's business. And it works. And you can get more done in 10 minutes than you ever think. And also, if it's something that isn't going to take more than 10 minutes, just do it and get it done. Because if not, it's something small and inconsequential that you're not going to think about again. And if you don't, you might be hooped because you forgot something that, while didn't seem important to you, needed to get done. So just use that 10-minute rule. If it's going to take less than 10 minutes, just do it now and don't worry about it. Here's another one. If a key is sticking in a lock, I love fluid film. Now, a lot of times it can be hard to spray it right in the lock. So what I do is take an old rag, set the key down, spray the fluid film right on the key, then insert it into the keyway, and then go in and out with it a bunch of times. Usually 10 to 15 times is more than enough. Get it in there, pull it out, pull it in, pull it out, flip it to the right, to the left, just get it working. And almost every time those pins in there are just getting stiff because that old grease gets dust and dirt in there and the pins don't want to move. So I would say eight to nine times out of 10, fluid film on the key and then work it around in the mechanism is enough to make your lock work like new. Especially if it's one of those keys that have the, the master key in them, so they have like a second set of pins, they get really thick and difficult to work with. Uh, this was a great tip. This came from Nicole Sauce, I believe it was last week. I can't remember if it was in her podcast or when we were on the after party together, but she had mentioned after she'd taken care of all her own stuff when there's power outages, she would go around with her small generator and offer to cool off neighbors' fridges and freezers. Now, I mean, that's a great tip to help, you know, earn some capital with your neighbors anyway, but it could also be a small little business for you. If you had a small battery bank or something, go around and say, hey, for whatever price, I'm coming around town to charge people up or, you know, just do it for your neighbors out of the kindness of your own heart, let you run your own gear. And again, maybe it introduces them a little bit to the idea of preparedness. Uh, I've been reading Bruce Campbell's book, If Chins Could Kill. It was recommended to me one night on one of my movie list episodes, and it's been a great book. There was a tip in there that I thought, wow, if that's not a great pro pro life pro tip. And he said, Bruce says, use the word no carefully and it's liberating. Use it too often, and you'll starve. I've heard that say, you know, I've heard Jack Spirico say that um, no is the most powerful world in word in the world, and this is a, a different way of looking at that, but if you say no strategically, it can make people want you more, or it can make people want to pay more for whatever it is because you're busy, but if you use it too much and you get too comfortable saying no for the simple reason of saying no, you're going to end up not having any work or anything to do. So just remember that. Now, I was reminded the other day of a trip. When I was in college, we were going to what was called Quiddy Falls, and we thought for sure we knew where they were. So we started heading out on a dirt road, and we stopped where we thought the path was. And the whole crew of us, of course, we were 18, 19-year-olds, 
the whole lot of us went into the woods, started heading down what we thought was a trail, was going for a while when we realized this isn't a trail. We turn around and everything looks absolutely the same. We knew we weren't far from the road, but we knew we were far enough that, man, it was one of the scariest moments of my life for sure, because we looked around and everything looked the same. And somebody was like, well, it's back that way. Let's all head that way. I said, nope. So what we did, and I got this tip from my dad, and it's a great tip, because we even ran into this running just to the water at our hunting camp one time, and that's not that far. What you do is the group stays in one place, or at least one person stays in the place you are, and then you send somebody out in one direction. You let them go as far as they can, where they can still holler to you, and look for signs of your trail coming in, or look for signs of the road. So we sent somebody in one direction, and it was the wrong direction. And of course, they were out of ways, and we hollered, and they were able to follow our voice back. And the second try, we managed to find the road. But if we'd all headed off in the wrong direction, we'd have been worse than we were, and then we'd have had no clue how to get back to where we were. So you get lost in the woods with two or three of you, and you're not very far from the trail, leave one person in place, and then send somebody out in one direction, and then keep trying the different directions until you figure out what works, and that worked for us. Here's another one. This is just simple, but write shit down, guys. And this could be ideas, stories, memories, quotes, because I don't know about you, but don't expect your brain to remember everything. I just keep random note files on my phone, things like illustrations. So that story about uh, New Brunswick, that came to me when I was in college. That came to me a few months ago. I threw it down in my random files, and eventually I used it today. So just keep a file folder of anything. And whatever you think, just write it down. Because if you think, oh, I'll wait and I'll remember it in 10 minutes or 10 seconds. Normally, if you're like me, it just fleetingly goes away. This one was great. <laughs> this is from Vampire Jesus on YouTube. And he said, you know what? Everybody complains about the DeWalt chainsaws leaking oil. For the most part, I he said he puts in enough oil to use for the day and then he just drains it at the end of the day. I know you might say, oh, that's a bit of a pain, but it really isn't. What would that take? Five seconds, use a funnel to drain the oil back into your oil jug and you're all set. And then you're not dealing with oil leaking out all the time. Put a rag under it anyway, but I just thought that was great. I uh, saw this tip on uh, Tools from Souls. He, he's a, a buddy of mine. He has a YouTube channel doing really good with his tool reviews. If you've got the DeWalt Quick Connect um, weed trimmer, hedge trimmer system or whatever, the Hart brand tools from Walmart are also compatible with that. I'm not sure if I've ever mentioned this before, but his video was really cool. He had the DeWalt blower attached to the Hart power head. So if you're looking for, hey, are these interchangeable, compatible? They are. Now, if you have a Power Wheels car for your kids, and the battery dies, the replacement batteries can be really, really expensive. But you know what isn't expensive? An adapter you can buy on Amazon that will take a DeWalt or Makita or Milwaukee battery. And what it does is you can use your existing batteries and they end up getting quite a bit extra uh, pep and heft out of them. They go a lot faster. And I was talking to a guy the other day and he said he didn't have an adapter, but he just hardwired it, just stuck the wires into the connectors on the DeWalt and he made it work. I thought that was pretty slick. Something else I learned in the Telegram group the other day, I forgot to write down the name of the person, so I'm sorry if it was you, but Black & Decker and Porter Cable batteries are interchangeable with slight modifications. Nothing electrical, they just put a little plastic shark fin on the top 
and on one side there's um, a cut in on the right and on the other battery there's a cut in on the left all you need to do is just scrape a little bit of plastic off and you can interchange those batteries i didn't recommend it but i was told about it i thought that was really kind of neat now something i saw the other night in a silver symbol he has a great youtube channel on backup power and yard work and things like that he said and i thought i haven't tried this yet but it seemed like a really good tip to me Use a square spade when you're edging garden instead of one of those half moon shaped ones. And what he did was he had a nice straight, a straight flat spade and he would go in on a 45 degree angle and he'd push down on the side and he just kind of hopped along with it and he made great time. And because you're putting all of your weight on a small surface area, just the corner of that square spade it just slid right in and it cut so much nicer and so much easier i couldn't believe how great of a job it did and of course on a 45 you're getting the most amount of travel that you can get it's cutting down the deepest and then you just kind of walk along with it did a great job if you don't have a bench vise for holding on to a lawnmower blade when you're sharpening it what I've developed over the years, it's pretty simple. You just put it on, again, on about a 45 degree, stick out the part that you're sharpening off the edge of the your workbench, and then use a pair of vice grips. Get them set right to the right amount, right in the middle, and snap them down tight. Never had one slide off. It's a great poor man's bench vice, and it works wonderfully for sharpening lawnmower blades. Now, the last one here, if you are, if you've ever, so... The other day, I had to go into my 12 unit that I look after, and somebody had said they thought the dryer wasn't drying very good. So I wanted to clean out the, the dryer duct. Two quick tips out of this. Number one, if you want to see up or into a dryer duct, use your phone. It has a camera, and if you angle it right, you can just do it live without even needing to take pictures. But even the metal accordion piping that is nice wears out over time. They tend to get cut wrong. They they just, they do. So what I've gotten into, and it doesn't cost much more, just get the thin four inch ductwork, the solid ductwork. And a lot of times you can buy them in the dryer section. They're a little thinner than normal heat duct. But if you want, you can use normal heat duct pipe as well, but use four inch ductwork piping and hard fit it. So take your measurements, cut them. It takes a little more time up front, but once you have solid pipe installed to the back of your dryer, you are never, ever going to think, oh, man, I don't want to move it because it might fall apart. I don't want to touch it because it might fall apart. You'll be way more apt to clean it on a regular basis, and you'll know what you're dealing with. Because the worst thing with that accordion stuff is it tends to bunch together. It has all of those ridges for collecting. If you end up using solid, rigid ductwork piping to duct in your dryer, you just have way less problems overall. And it's going to last 10 times as long. So I hope you guys enjoyed those 30 tips as much as I did. Always love sharing tips. Always love getting tips from you guys in the community. It's always a little weird doing these pre-recorded because 98% of my content is done live, at least through the podcast. But this one was great. I was happy with this episode and I hope you enjoyed it too. If you have more tips, send them my way. There's a few ways. I guess the easiest is the form over on the website. Send it off to me or use email, therealtimcook at gmail.com. There's a hundred different ways to do it, but those are the two easiest. Or come by the Telegram group, or in YouTube, share them. But whatever, share your information with me. So guys, uh, what's coming up next? We've got a couple of really good episodes 
Saturday is going to be a pre-recorded as well. Also a good one. We're going to talk the, the title, the working title at this moment is 2022 is 50% over. What have you done so far? We're going to take a look at the workshop and the goals that I set this year and see how I feel about my own personal goals. And we're going to talk a bit about your guys's goals and where you're heading, what you're up to, and the things you want to get done before 2022 rolls over to 2023. Always exciting. Always a great concept and uh, thing to turn, you know, to talk about. And then we have Sunday evening, a lady I met on Instagram, which goes by the handle of the apartment prepper. She's coming on because for me, for quite a while, I've really wanted to talk to somebody about small space, small space prepping. And she is an expert on it. It's incredible. I watch her posts and the things that she's come up with are just great. I love it. She'll have a lot of really good information to share with us on small space prepping. So yeah, drop by, check it out. That'll be 7 p.m. Mountain Time, live Sunday evening. And yeah, guys, beyond that, as always, stay happy, stay healthy, and have a great week.